right. Praise the Lord. We thank God for his goodness. We thank him for his mercy. We thank him for all opportunities that we get that he gives to us. We don't take it lightly at all. Our God is a good God. And you know what? He's worthy to be praised. We thank God because with every opportunity that we have to study the word of God, to read the word of God, um, and to hear the word of God, he's really giving us opportunities to correct behaviors that are out of order and not in sync with the word of God. He's given us opportunities to repair relationships, to take a deeper look at some things, at some choices that we've probably made prior to reassess them through the lens or using the lens of the scripture to really make sure that um, that what we've been doing and the way we've been doing it is in line with the word of God. Many times, uh, friends and family, no matter who you are or where you are, those who will listen to this, regardless of the country, or it doesn't matter where it is, many times it's many times it comes down to to the way we do things as and and the reason behind what we're doing as opposed to what it is that we're actually doing. Sometimes we find ourselves doing the right things, but we can do them for the wrong reasons, or we can do the right thing in the wrong way. And so the word of God gives us the ability to um, take a look at those things and re-examine the, the, uh, the basis and the background for why we do what we do. So we don't want to take that for granted. Um, this morning, we're going to, um, um, we, next week, Lord willing, we will pick up with our uh, um, further as we wrap up Psalms 27. Today, I'd like to do a, um, uh, a, a different lesson for us. This is something that God had given me a while ago. I actually taught this um, in a family Bible study last night, but this was actually something that God had given to me um, last year um, in the last several months of 2021. Um, and I was finally able to actually teach the lesson um, as it was intended for a family Bible study, but it's a good lesson uh, for all of the saints of God. And that's one thing that I love about God is, is that what he gives for us, it, it, man, it, it's helpful to any and everybody. If you have a, an ear to hear and to listen, what God's actually talking about, what he's saying, you're going to, you're going to be, you're going to be blessed. That's going to, that's going to help you down that journey. I want to talk today about hope. I want to spend a little bit of time with that uh, because we are in perilous times as the scripture does uh, teach us. Um, and we're able to look around um, and look outside. We look at society. We look at the state of the world and truly as the Lord said and had told us and prepared us, we truly are in the last days, and these truly are perilous times. There are a lot of things going on that threaten to rob us at hope of our hope and, and, and a positive outlook. Uh, we just kind of feel depressed and feel blue at times. For some people, um, um, 2021 came down to a, a really a photo finish. It was, it was, it was, uh, um, you know, some people barely made it through. Okay. Other people, they, uh, you know, 21 was a total train wreck. 
okay? Just a dumpster fire in every way. At least that's the way that they they feel. But for yet for others, um, it was it was a good time as well. It wasn't, you know, God. They experienced the blessings of God and and they experienced God in ways that they never thought of. People are um, they span the spectrum of experiences as they closed out. 2021. Now we're in 2022, and um, and people um, having spanned the spectrum of experiences in the previous year um, are trying to look and see what does 2022 hold for them. What's going to happen? Which way is society going to go? COVID is still here. Um, and, and that's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, there's um, still political um, unrest in every country all over the place. And there's turmoil, there's fighting, there's all of these different things that really make it look pretty bleak and pretty hopeless. But what does the Bible have to say about that? What does the Bible have to say about hope? Turn your Bibles to the book of Romans uh, I would like you to take a look at chapter 15, and we're going to just use chapter 13 as our basis for this Bible study. I invite you to take as many notes or um, or when this is finished, you know, take the, the link um, from the podcast or on the website and um, and go over this and, and and familiarize yourself with some of the things we're going to talk about here and 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 ask God to show you how to take this and use it to help somebody else because that's what it's for it's not just for you it's for you right now but but once you get it the your the next role the next step is for you to share the word of God amen Romans 15 and 13 says this now God now the God of hope, amen, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's read that again. Now the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. As always, may God richly bless those that not just hear the word, but find themselves doing the word, as we have said before, and we will always continue to say as long as God puts it on our mind, the blessing is in the obedience. Family, you got to be obedient if you want to see the word of God and you want to see the power of God in, its, in, in, in all its awesomeness you're going to have to be obedient. No version of this where you're going to be able to sit on the sideline. I'm going to be able to sit on the sideline and just passively see. No, it's not going to work that way. So as um, last year, the Lord um, put this, con this the topic of hope on uh, my mind. If we give a, a definition for hope, let's perhaps start there with an overarching de definition or description of hope. If we define hope then uh, today, then what we would probably come, with, come away with is a uh, definition, something close to this, um, to want something to happen or be true and think that it could happen or be true. Hope is an optimistic state of mind 
that is based on an expectation of positive outcomes with respect to events and circumstances in one's life or the world at large and at, and the world at large and and um, as a verb its definition would also its definitions would also include ex to expect with confidence and to cherish a desire with anticipation okay i guess in a nutshell what we're really saying is is that hope is looking forward to something you know it's that ability to look to look forward to something happening whatever that thing is that you're hoping or excuse me that you are anticipating or desiring to happen and it's 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 looking forward really in a nutshell um for something to happen our god according to our scripture going back now romans 15 13 now the god of hope stop right there now the god of hope our god family is the god of hope amen he's not a god of hope he's not he he he's he's not some other type of god that happens to have hope he is the god of hope he is the only god of hope okay now there are many gods little gods and these are all man-made and man manufactured but and and they are not real they are not really gods they are they 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 are uh, they are our imaginations and our own wickedness that has run uh, run amok and we have attributed god status to all sorts of things we have attributed the status of god to objects and and as well as to ideals and concepts so there so so and the bible has a term for that the term for that would be that of idolatry we have we have made gods gods for different seasons gods for different reasons but in the grand scheme of things if we take the foolishness of man the ridiculousness of man the rebelliousness of man and we set that aside because the gods that man have created or has constructed because they are manufactured and are not the genuine article if we pull all of that aside and away then we are left with that the reality and the truth that there is only one god amen and romans reveals something about the character of that one god throughout scripture scripture reveals different characters or aspect or char characteristics or aspects of god as you read through the scripture well here in romans what we are presented with and what we discover is is that our god everything else that you know about him guess what in addition to that he is the god of hope our god is the god of hope amen his very presence ushers in hope just his being just him being there 
In other words, he doesn't have to try to, he doesn't come in. And then when he's in, he then goes and grabs hope and brings it. No, no, no. Hope comes as soon as God shows up. Amen. Okay. As soon as God steps into the situation, circumstance, hope comes in. His presence ushers hope in. Yet this simple truth and this inst and the instructions that we have that are going to uh, uh, regarding um, hope and how to get hope and all of these things, these instructions that follow, they hold a depth of meaning that is that that that's so vast and and it's not really quantifiable, and it really goes beyond what we often anticipate or what we often realize. You want hope. Get God. If you want hope, get a hold of God. That's simple. It boils down to just that. But for as simple as that is, or as simple as that may be, there's a lot more depth to it. There's a lot more to hope. There's a lot more to understanding how it works and what's going on and what's, what's nestled within hope. Hope transcends situations and circumstances. It goes beyond them. Hope, believing that things are going to get better. Having an outlook that things are going to work out. Looking forward and anticipating for a brighter day. It is the picture in your mind of you overcoming. If you, if, if, if you are antagonized or hindered by anything, the picture of hope would be the picture of you on the other side of whatever that struggle or whatever that trial is. Hope, friends, transcends situations and it transcends circumstances. Your circumstances, the ones that pursue us from days past to the very ones looming on the horizon, the ones that haven't happened yet, past, present, or future, it doesn't really matter. All of these things can have been or seemingly be devoid of hope. You can look at your past and feel, and feel hopeless about it. You can then look at your present and then feel hopeless about that. And my goodness, you can look at your future and say, you know, man, I really don't see one. And so hopelessness ensues with that. All of these things can seemingly be or have been devoid of hope. But I want to tell you something today. I want to encourage you. Because as soon as God enters the conversation, as soon as God steps into the fray, as soon as he steps into the room, doesn't matter how devoid of hope things looked before or how bleak they looked before or may seem, when God enters the situation, hope steps in at the same time. And I don't know how you feel about it, but that is some good news. That is some good news because sometimes it's hard to find hope, especially in these, in these days. And, and people, let me just say, hope is in short supply for a whole lot of people. But it's good to know that those that are of the household of faith and those that are going to be part of the household of faith, there is hope in a hopeless world. You don't get caught up. 
Don't get too caught up in what you see right now. Because regardless of what you see, for those who are on the Lord's side, our reality goes beyond what we currently see. Yes, to this world, we are in the same boat. We are in the same circumstances at times. We are in the same situations as anybody else. We are in this world. We are not exempt from the things that go on in this world. Yet, because our citizenship resides in another land, yet because our home was not built by mortal hands, glory to God, because we are the children of the Most High God, then our look, our outlook rather, does not stop at what is presently visible on this side. No, 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 no. We got a hope that the world cannot see. And somebody today, when you listen to this message or tonight or wherever you are, this hope that I'm talking about, you might not have it yet, but you can. You can. This hope that I'm talking about, you only get it through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's that hope, as we said a little bit earlier, that transcends situations and circumstances. Your life may have just seemingly be in shambles. I get it. But I pray that by the end of this lesson and the end of things, even right now, that things are starting to change, that you're starting to see that there might just be a glimmer of hope after all. And what my intent to do today is to convince you, oh, there's more than a glimmer of hope on the other side of this thing. You just got to get in line with God. Amen. Amen. As soon as God steps into the situation, even the ones that seemed the most hopeless, when he arrives, hope arrives. When he steps in, hope steps in. When he shows up, hope shows up. You get the idea. And hopefully, and don't let that go. Don't, don't, you got to hold on to that. You got to hold on to that. Psalms 27 and 13 gives us a wonderful description of this. The word of God says this, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Here it is, David echoing the very sentiments and the things that we're talking about right now. He said, I'd have fainted. That means I would have given up. I would have fallen apart. That means I would have lost it all. Nothing to look forward to. Nothing to feel good about. Somebody listening to this knows what I'm talking about. You've been there. And some who will listen to this, you are there. Amen. No matter where you are in the world. Or when you listen to this, when you hear this message, it will span the spectrum for many different people of where they are and where their personal outlook is. And for some of us, some who will listen will be as about as far away from hope seemingly as east is to west. You just seem like you're so far away. And it can feel like that. But David in Psalms 27 and 13 said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord 
in the land of the living, meaning that I would have the thing that kept me from giving up is that I had hope. When he says, I have believed to see the goodness of the Lord, that's hope that he's talking about. I would have given up if I had not believed to see the goodness. The goodness is the good is the uh, is the positive outcome. It's the good outlook. It's the image that you hope for or the situation that you hope for. David was looking at that and holding on to a brighter day. Holding on to a brighter day gave him the strength and the stamina and the wherewithal to endure his present day. Amen. 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 Are you going through hard times? Are you dealing with difficult situations? It won't be like that always. Now, the devil's going to do a whole lot to try to convince you of that it is going to stay just like that. But you know what? The devil going to do what the devil does. He's a liar. He doesn't have any incentive to tell you the truth. And he's not going to tell you the truth. He's going to lie every chance he gets. And literally everything he lies about, the truth is the exact opposite. So when he tells you it's not going to work out, <laughs> the reality is, is that he's telling you that because he knows it is going to work out. All things work together for the good. Amen. Of those that are called. According to his purpose. Listen, the devil is not, he, he don't want you to think that it's going to get better or that it can get better. So he's going to sell you the lie, the bill of goods. That is going to stay the way that it is. Because he off, because he knows. Either it's not going to be that way. Or you were just a step away from making a better choice to turn towards God. And all of a sudden, hope comes flooding right back in. Why? Because God enters in. Amen. Amen. Now, when we look at Romans 15 and 13, going back to our base, base scripture, keeping that in mind. Our God, we said, is the God of hope. Our God brings hope into every situation he enters. And because that is true, that brings us some questions that we often have to consider. Has God entered your situation? And if he hasn't, what's preventing him from entering your situation? Is it that you don't believe? Or is it that you are holding on to disobedience because those are situations that would prevent him from stepping in to your situation. Have you invited him into your situation? And if you have, have you included repentance as part of your package of invitation to God. Because friends and family, no matter who you are, you can't invite God in presently and actively undertaking sin with no intent of, um, of abandoning 
the sin and the unrighteousness in which you are gauged, engaged in thinking that God is going to show up. Listen, God is a God of hope, but your situation will remain absolutely hopeless until you are willing to turn to God with your whole heart. And that means that you're going to have to repent of unrighteousness. God doesn't, does not bless mess. There's no version of this where he ever will. Have you invited him into your situation? Well, let me tell you, you can invite God all day long, but if you are, if you have no intent of turning from unrighteousness and turning to God, he's not going to show up. And since he is the God of hope, his not showing up means that your circumstance will retain an element of hopelessness. Will he show up? Have you created an environment through repentance whereby God is willing to show up? Asking God to show up and to change and to bless you and to do all this kind of stuff all the while you know you're living in sin and doing all kinds of different stuff is such a slap in the face to God. It is so disrespectful. I think I can't even begin to tell you how disrespectful that is. And we are, and, and, and we, and, and you know what, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves if that's what we're doing. God is a God of hope, but he's not going to let you take it, him or his hope for granted. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Many people's situation remain perilous. You want to know why? Because they're not willing to change. You're not willing to make better decisions. So you stuck with the consequences of the decisions that you made. You want God to step in? Well, God's not going to step in on your terms. In order for God to step in, you're going to have to meet him on his terms. You and I, we're not the boss of anything. I know that's an illusion. The devil works hard to make it seem like you and I, we're running things. We're not running anything. We're not running anything. You didn't put the sun in the sky. You didn't put the earth on its rotation, on its axis. You didn't set it in to spin. You, you didn't have nothing to do with that. You don't tell the snow when to fall. You don't command the temperature in the atmosphere. You don't govern the ebb and flow of the tides. Science tells you that the moon does it. Who put the moon in its orbit? It all come running back to God. You don't even have the power to grow an inch. You can't even make dirt for crying out loud. I don't see your name or my name on the rocks or on the mountains and the hills and the valleys and the rip. What? You and I are not God. So we can't come to God in need of hope, but be unwilling 
to obey his word. It's not going to work. The situation, my situation is going to remain hopeless in that circumstance. And that's not what we want. Amen. Amen. We don't want that. We don't want that. Hope. The hope that the Lord brings, the Lord Jesus Christ brings, is literally based on his very presence. His presence alone brings hope. Now, Romans 15, 13 says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus Christ, our God, amen, because he is hope, he has the right and the ability to fill us with joy and peace. Because he, let me say it again, because God is the God of hope, he alone has the right and the ability to fill us with joy and peace. Amen. See, some people, why is this important? It's important because some people deal with so much guilt and so much shame. And when we become aware of our sin, especially for the first time, when we really, when we really become aware, God makes us aware of our sin and our unrighteousness. Guilt and shame usually comes flooding to the forefront. Guilt over what we've done and, and a shame that we've been a part of, of these different things. But some people deal with so much guilt and shame that they literally feel as though they have no right to have joy or peace. They feel as though they don't even deserve an ounce of hope. And, and we all, and, and, and here's the reality is, it's true. None of us actually deserve it. None of us do. When I look at my sins and I go, man, when I go back down memory lane, and I start replaying the tape on the foolishness that I had my hand in, the ridiculousness that I was a part of. Oh, I'm, Listen, the word of God said our sins testify against us. I become painfully aware when I take, sometimes when I take a stroll down memory lane of just how unrighteous, how unfilthy, I mean, just how filthy and unclean I have been. And when I tally it all up, the end result is that I don't deserve a lick of God's goodness at all. When I look at my past, just like you, we absolutely don't deserve it. We don't. But all of us have a past. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want you to look at verses 9 through 11. Because somebody needs to be reminded of something because they, the enemy's working hard to try to talk you out of, of moving forward. You become aware of your sin and, 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 you're, and you're trying to figure out what the next, next steps are. Now for you, I'm a bottom line something really quick. When you become, especially if you haven't, if you, if you, if, 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 if you have not been saved 
and you are now aware, God's made you aware of your sin and unrighteousness, your next step after you repent is to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins can be washed away so that they can be remitted. It's not, a, it's not that the water actually washes it. No, it's God's, it's, it's, it's what God does in response to your obedience to being baptized in his name. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, you must be baptized. And when you do that, God knows that you're going to need something in order to help you stay the course. So what does he do? He gives you him. You will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You will be, and you will know that you have it because you will gain the ability to pray in other tongues. Tongues is a prayer language. That is what it is. Amen. And it is an initial sign. It is the initial sign that accompanies the filling of, or the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Some people will tell you all kinds of different things. Oh, it don't happen. No, 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 they're wrong. You All you got to do is read the book of Acts. It's very plain. Very plain. You will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and you'll know it. Why? Because you will speak in other tongues as the spirit of the Lord gives utterance. Not everybody speaks in tongues at the same time. The Lord has to give you utterance. But you absolutely will not if you don't even want it at all. And the gospels are very clear in letting us know that he will not withhold the gift of the Holy Ghost to those who ask. This is what the Bible teaches. Amen. Amen. That's your step. Okay. If you have not been saved, right, if you are saved already and you're dealing with hopelessness, because the Lord is the God of hope and he alone has the right and the ability to give joy and peace, he has the right and privilege to do so. Even though you feel guilt and shame over your past, you have got to remember that all of us have a past. First Corinthians chapter six, verses nine through 11 says this, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, no covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Now that's nine to 10. That, that pretty much covers everything. And watch this, verse 11. And such were some of you. God has the right and the privilege to give joy and peace. And let me remind you, he is already aware of what you have done. He knows what you had your hand in. He knows what you were involved in. He already knows it. Now, the enemy wants to keep reminding you of it so that you become stagnant. 
But God's intent, when we real, when we take a stroll down memory lane and we replay what we used to do, those are not supposed to become articles that shackle us. But they are supposed to become aspects of our testimony because we bless God for saving us in spite of what we used to do. Verse 11 said, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. The devil wants to remind you. Unclean spirits want to remind you of who you used to be. But it's who you used to be that serves as the fuel for blessing God for you not being who you were because he changed you. That Bible says, and such were some of you. Yeah, I used to be some of some of that. I used to be some of this, but God got a hold of me one day. And that's not even just the best part. The best part is this. It remains God's prerogative to give joy and peace as he sees fit. You, you, I, I, don't, I don't know if you, I, don't, I don't know if, if 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 you got that. It remains. God understands your past, and if you come to Him the way the Bible says come to Him, then He's forgiven you of that past. He's forgiven you of what you have had your hand in, of who you used to be. He knows all of that. But it is his prerogative to give joy and peace as he sees fit. And if he chooses to ignore your past, who are you to stop that? All you need to do is open up, lift up your hands, hold your head up high and say, thank you, Jesus. And let the grace, the healing winds of grace flow into your life. Amen. Are you having a hard time with that? Are you struggling with that? Look at Exodus chapter 33 and look at verse 19. Glory to God. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Not convinced? Look at Romans chapter 9, verse 15. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. I'm telling you that joy and peace, it's God's prerogative. And if he does, and if he chooses not to hold your past against you, that is God's prerogative. And amen. And amen. 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 Don't listen. Don't do the devil's work. 
and go ahead and disqualify yourself. God already know you ain't qualified, but he has chosen to bless you in spite of your lack, my lack of qualifications. And I hope that encourages you. I, I really do. I hope that that part alone encourages you. Through the act, if we continue on, going back to our base scripture, Romans 15 and 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Through the act of believing or having faith in God, we're able to obtain the joy and the peace that he's made available. So if you want to know how that actually, how do we actually receive that joy and peace, you know, on the technical side, how does that actually work out? Well, it's through the act of believing. It's through the act of having faith in God. That's what you actually do in order to receive the, and obtain the joy uh, and peace. Okay. And through this act, we receive and we are able to obtain this joy and peace. We obtain them as additional benefits. There are so many benefits in God and joy and peace are just two of many benefits that are found in God. All of which we receive through the act of believing and having faith in God. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a moment. Okay. Through this act, we receive that joy and peace as additional benefits. Now, I want you to keep in mind, okay, in scripture, because we receive it through the act of faith or the act or believing in God. In scripture, faith is not mental assent. And it is important that you understand that. Faith in scripture is not mental assent. Mental assent is when you just mentally in your mind, you agree with that. I agree with that. I accept that. So many times people's faith goes no further than saying, oh, you know what? I believe God's word. I just, I, I believe it. I believe that's true. I agree to that. I believe what he says. I believe that if God said that's what it is, oh, oh, I believe that. I believe that. On a mental level, they agree. That's mental assent. Mentally, they agree. They agree with the word of God. They agree with the way of God. They agree with the plan of God. They agree with these things in, in their mind, okay? But mental assent in scripture is not the same thing as believing or the same thing as believing um, or, or, you know, or accept it. It's, it's, not the, it's not the same thing as faith, okay? Mental assent is not the same thing as believing, nor is it the, or, the, or the same thing as having faith. In scripture, true faith and true believing is synonymous with obedience, okay? So true faith in scripture or true believing looks like this. To God, it looks at like this. You hear the word, you then believe what the word says by way of acting on what you heard. So in other words, true belief, according to God, is as when you took take the word that you heard and you actually obey it. You actually do it. Many Christians fall into, into a very dangerous snare and a very subtle snare. They fall 
into the snare of passiveness. We treat Christianity or this walk with the Lord as if it is a passive practice. Uh Uh-uh. Faith and believing in God is not passive. It is active. Let me break. Let me, I want to say that again. The path of God or, or believing or faith in God. Faith in God is not passive, meaning you don't do anything. And let me add to it, nor is it aggressive, meaning you're doing too much. It's not passive. It's not aggressive. But it is active. Amen. 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 It's active. I have to do what the word tells me to do. I can't just agree with it and then sit still. Let me give you an example. The Bible says he that wins souls is wise. You can't read the scripture and the scripture tell you and teach you that it's God's will that we go out and win souls, that we share the gospel, which the Bible tells us to do. You can't sit back and say, oh, you know what? I know that's right. I believe that. I agree with that. And then you never go out there and share the word. Then you don't believe it. God doesn't, God won't accept your belief as true belief if there's no obedience. This is why James tells you faith without works is dead. What? Being alone. It's dead. Faith needs works. It can't exist without it. And if there's a version of it that does exist somewhere, scripture plainly teaches that God doesn't want it. So you're never going to be able to float that version of faith over across God's pond. It's not going to happen. The only faith that God wants is the faith that is proven with obedience. You got to do it. You got to do it. You can, the word can tell you all day long what God can do and what God will do. But those things are predicated on obedience, most of them. And if you're not willing, if I'm not willing to be obedient, then I'm not going to have the things that God has for me. I'm not going to be able to have that. We receive this joy and peace through believing and having faith in God. And that faith in God and believing in God is the genuine article when it is accompanied by obedience, not just mental assent, not just agreeing with what the word of God says, but then you don't do it. God doesn't accept. Listen, in the scripture, there are two things that God will never accept just on mental assent, just because you say so. There's two things that I know of that he just absolutely will not accept. You want to know what they are? Love and faith. He, 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 you will never, you, you ain't going to even see it. Jesus said, if you love me, 
you'll keep my commandments. Those are the two things that I know of that God will absolutely not accept on the grounds of you just say, oh, but I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I, I Listen, you can be out, you can be in prayer a thousand and one times talking about, you, I love you, Jesus, and you ain't doing none of what he said. He don't hear none of that. That's just the way that it is. He doesn't hear any of that. You can float that by somebody else, but you're not going to get that one over on God. I'm telling you, it don't work. I tried it. It don't work. It does not work. You just can't get away with it. You can't love God and not do what he says. You can't believe God and not do what he says. It just doesn't work. See, it is God's intent that we not only be given joy and peace, but in addition, it's his intent that we actually abound or dwell or live in hope. Joy and peace have a purpose, family, friends. They have, it has a purpose. Joy and peace have a purpose that go beyond our own personal fulfillment. When God gives joy and peace, it's not just so that you can be all just all super happy and, and just, I mean, have, I mean, just just all oh, kumbaya and 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 rose colored glasses no 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 that's that's no no that's not he doesn't give you joy and peace so that you can just go and 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 have uh, parties all the time and 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 can flaunt whatever god has done for you no that's not what this thing is about no joy and peace have a purpose beyond our own personal fulfillment okay and because of this, Jesus gives, and because this is true, Jesus gives joy and peace or the joy and peace that he gives, they're given regardless of non-sin-induced situations or circumstances as their presence allows us to endure any circumstance or situation. Let me say it again. Joy and peace have a purpose that goes beyond personal fulfillment. And because of this, Jesus, our Lord, our God gives joy and peace. They are given regardless of sin-induced situations, or excuse me, non-sin-induced situations or circumstances, as their presence allows us to endure any circumstance and any situation. So what does this mean? What this actually means is, is this, because when God's joy and peace have a purpose, okay, God gives them regardless of the situation that you're in, as long as the situation that you're in is not a situation or a circumstance that is a direct result of sin that you're partaking in. So in other words, if you are presently active in sin, engaging in sin, unrighteousness, wickedness, you're not going to get the joy and peace. Okay. Let me just, you're not going to get it. You're not going to have it because God does not bless mess. Okay. So it, so he gives 
joy and peace in any situation, in any circumstances, as, as long as that circumstance and as long as that situation is not one that is the product or the result of sin, okay? You got to first deal with that sin and repentance and all that other kind of stuff to get all that stuff done with and get forgiven. And then God will begin with the joy and the peace and all that kind of stuff at the appointed time. But as long as you are engaged in unrighteousness and wickedness, you're not going to experience the joy and peace. So you can't have sin-induced circumstances and situations and then also have the joy and peace of God. That's not going to happen. That won't happen. That won't happen. Now, if you are not, engaged in sin and all that other kind of stuff and circumstances of life you begin to happen some of them good some of them not so good and all of these different things god reserves the right amen to give you joy and peace in any of those situations that are not the product of sin he will bring joy he will bring peace into any situation that you are in and he does so because you need the joy and you need the peace in order to endure the situation. That's what we're talking about. That is what we are talking about. Go back to our base scripture. Now, the God of hope, watch this, fill you with all joy and peace. What? In believing. There's the having faith in God. Why? That ye may abound in hope glory to God. That means to dwell. That means to live in. That means to reside in. That means to set up shop, set up camp in. That is where you stay. And so he gives you the joy and he gives you the peace. Why? So that you will be able to remain or abound and dwell in that hope. In other words, you are able to maintain a positive outlook, a good outlook, a good perception, a good view of what's on the horizon, even though it's not your present situation. You got the picture firmly rooted in your mind. That day when you overcome, that day when you are not antagonized, that day when you're stronger than, than the circumstance or whatever your inability is, that brighter day, glory to God. Oh, you need hope. Oh, you need hope. And God is, he's giving it out. He's giving it out today. I'm telling you, he's giving it out. He's giving it out. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to grab hold of it as he puts it into your hand? Glory to God. Glory to God. I love, I love God. You know, you just can't, I'm, I'm telling you the word of God is utterly fantastic utterly fantastic. Philippians 4 and 7, let's prove this out. Philippians 4 and 7 says this, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you see, are you seeing it? That peace, I told you, you need it. He gives it so that you can endure any and all situations. But did you hear Philippians 4 and 7? And the peace of God. Why does he give you peace? Because the, you need peace. Because the peace that God gives, it passes all understanding. And it's so heavy that it will keep your heart and your mind. Glory to God. So he gives you peace. He gives you peace. You need it. You need it. 
you need it. You see, to abound in hope, family, really means to abound or dwell in him who is God. When you talk about abounding in hope, really what you're talking about is abounding in God. Amen. You're abounding in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what, what that's to abound. Abounding in hope literally means to abound in God or abound in Jesus Christ. That's really what that is. And it is achieved, it is achieved through belief in him. We achieve this state of abounding in him when we believe in him. And remember what we said, believing in him is not mental assent. It's actually obedience to what he says. So you abound in him as you are obedient to what he says. Amen. As we believe in him, we abound in him. Remember, faith in God, like I said, it's not mental assent, but it is rather obedience. Look at, look at the gospel of John. I want you to look at chapter 15, and I want you to look at verses 9 through 11. Amen. Amen. John 15, 9 through 11 says this, as the father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, there's that obedience, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Now watch this, 11. These things have I spoken unto you that you, that my joy, there goes joy again. Remember I told you he gives you peace and joy. And now we just picked up joy. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Glory to God. I feel like preaching right now. He said, my love, my love. If you will abide in the Lord, and if you do it through, and you can only do it through obedience, then the things that he's spoken to you, you will they'll give you joy. That's literally what he's telling you. If you abide, you're going to have the joy. It's going to give you the joy. Why do I need joy? Because when you have joy, you have the strength to keep going on. See, when you have joy in something, you'll keep doing it. You'll keep going. That's why he give it to you. So you don't get tuckered out and you don't feel like, man, I'm tired of doing this. Because as long as a man or a woman have joy in something, they'll keep going and going and going and going and going. You need it. I told you, joy and peace have a purpose beyond just your personal fulfillment and satisfaction. And go beyond that. He gives you those things. He gives you peace. Why? Because it'll keep your mind straight. Because life will get you going sometimes. And it'll have you topsy-turvy and twisty-turvy. And you'll be upside down before you know it. But here comes the peace of God regulating your mind in a dark situation. Do you hear what I'm saying? When life gets going, you can get drained and you start to feel bleak. And like there's no way and no point to doing anything. But then here comes the joy of God reinvigorating me, rejuvenating me, giving me the strength that I need to go one more moment, one more mile, one more step, one more day, one more hour, one more second. Lord, give me your peace and your joy. I need it. I got to have it every day. I got to have it. Do you have to have it? Do you need it? Do you want it? Because you can have it. 
You can have it, but you got to be obedient. You have got to do what God says. Do it is there in spades, but it is not there for the disobedient. You've got to believe what God has said. You've got to follow what God has said. Glory to God. As we believe or are obedient, God responds to our faith in him by filling us with joy and peace. We respond to him with belief or obedience. He in turn responds to us with the fresh supply of joy and peace. And this whole process constitutes the state of abounding in hope. This is what it means to abound in hope. The strength to believe. And the strength to keep believing in Jesus, it comes through the power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, who is God, not a separate God, not a different God, not a not one in a pantheon of God, not one in a union of God. No, 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 and more. No, not a council of God. But Deuteronomy 6 and 4 tells it plain, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Holy Ghost, listen, who is God, influences and he empowers one to make and maintain the decision to believe in Jesus, our God Almighty. You need God to give you the strength to believe in God. You don't just do it on your own. It's God giving you the strength to do it. Our scripture said, now the God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That ye may abound in hope. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Bottom line, friends. Jesus, our Lord and God is the God of hope. He brings hope into any and every situation and circumstance that's not sin-induced on our own. And he is our hope. Through the avenue of faith in Jesus, our God, we enter the state of dwelling or abiding or residing in he who is hope. And while dwelling in this state, we receive the benefits of joy and peace. And all of this is made possible both initially and on a continual basis by the power of the Holy Ghost who is God Almighty. And who is God? Jesus. God bless you, family and friends. Until next week, I hope this blesses you. We'll stop the recording here.